Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Yes. Hello to our listeners. Um, I just came in from outside and uh, I went out because I heard a sound that I've heard many times since we've lived in Pennsylvania that never ceases to cause me to stop what I'm doing and just go outside, which is the sound of what I call a bird convention. (laughs) What I mean by that is we live surrounded by woods and flocks of starlings occasionally just come and fill the trees. I remember the first time, the first year we were living in this house and that happened. And I was I went to our neighbor's house. I said, what the heck is happening here? (laughs) What did he say? He said, well, it's just the starlings coming through. (laughs) I'm like, well, I've never seen thousands and thousands of birds all at the same time. And they're so loud, but it's a pleasant kind of sweet chatter up in the trees that you can hear. And um, it's just fascinating that we can hear it inside our house in the winter with everything closed up and then go outside and it's so loud. And then as they start to fly away, it will suddenly get quiet. How do they all know to suddenly be it's quiet crazy. as they take, some of them take off and then, then they'll start chattering again. And then the clouds of the starlings just look like some kind of amazing, I don't know, matrix of black dots in the sky that are making an amazing pattern as they fly away. It's really lifting up of the heart just to kind of wonder what are those birds chattering about (laughs) why are there so many of them (laughs) i always love it and our kids you know i always called it a bird convention just because that was a funny thing to me to call it but some of our kids were actually confused they thought that that was the name for a flock of birds was a bird convention (laughs) they didn't even know a convention was a thing like oh yeah that's a flock of birds (laughs) um Hi, this is Thomas West. I edit my parents' podcast, and I'm just now learning that a massive flock of birds is not officially called a bird convention. Um, (laughs) Okay, back to the show. Oh, anyway, that was kind of fun. People might be noticing that the cold I had in the last couple episodes (laughs) has now passed on. Can you hear it in my voice? Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens. This is life, isn't it? Yeah. So can you update us about the TUB Institute? Sure. We have, coming up very soon, check out the link in the show notes, our online Theology of the Body Level 1 course. If you have never taken it and you're sitting on the fence and you're thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? I don't know. How's it work? Well, it works very simply. You get access to the videos for the course for two weeks, and you can watch them at your leisure. And then there are some live Q&As where we get on together, and either Bill Dunahy or I will be on with you live. And people who have taken it have been greatly, greatly enriched. And if you're thinking out there, yes, I'd like to take it, but man, I can't afford it. We have a scholarship program. We never ever want money to get in the way of people taking our courses. So please look into the scholarship options. Uh, Send an email to Troy 
Uh, if you check the link there, you usually go through Troy anyway to register. Just inquire with Troy about the scholarship possibilities. You will not regret taking this course. I can't think of anybody of the <laughs> thousands of people who've taken this course over the years who have ever said, I wish I didn't take it. <laughs> please, please come and immerse yourself in what John Paul II has given us. We have the antidote to the crisis of our times, but it's not going to do us any good if we don't inject it into our bloodstream. So if you've been blessed just by listening to these podcasts, you're going to be triply, quadruply, uh, gazillionthly. Mm -hmm. Good one. I just coined a new word. Yeah, I liked it. Um, blessed blessed. By, by taking this course and doing the deep dive. So pray about it. Consider it. We'd love to have you as a mm. student. With a question from a patron. Let's do it. Start on that. Okay. So this is from Brittany. Hello, Brittany. Thank you so much for your support of our work. So grateful to you. Brittany says, thank you for your work. I'm just starting to dive into it. JP2 has been showing up for me big time recently as I've become, begun a healing journey from coming from a terribly broken and abusive family mm. structure. Mm. I'm so sorry, Brittany. I have questions in my heart about the impact of how we see our identity when we're born out of wedlock and raised mm. from that circumstance. Yes. Or if we're not raised in a solid family unit and live between two houses. This is my story. I joined the church a few years ago and felt at home here, but I struggle when I see that my origins are very different from people raised in one home. I want to understand this through the lens of JP2 better. How does this impact how we see ourselves and our place in the church? Brittany, thank you so much for just putting your heart out there and putting this question in the light. I, I really sense your seeking of the Lord's face. And I think your your family circumstances speak of, of two what might seem like competing truths, but I want to hold out to you that they get reconciled in the pierced heart of Jesus. And here are the two, what I would say, we could look at, initially anyway, as competing truths. God desires that every human being would come into the world through the loving embrace of a husband and a wife. So that is a truth. As you have shared with us, Brittany, you did not come into the world through the loving embrace of a husband and wife, but you were conceived out of wedlock. So how do you hold that together? Like, does that mean God didn't really want me to exist because if my parents had been faithful to God's plan, then I wouldn't have been conceived at all, so am I not meant to be here? I'm thinking of a quote from Father Jacques Philippe, and I share this quote in our in our main event that we bring out to parishes called Made for More. And I share it in the context precisely of the wonder and the mystery of sperm meeting egg. I mean, it is absolutely astounding. There is something like between 300 and 500 million sperm racing to get to that egg. And Brittany, if it had been any other sperm that got there first when you were conceived, you wouldn't have been conceived. 
It had to be that sperm. It had to be that egg. If it had been another month in your mother's cycle, a different egg, you wouldn't exist. What an astounding, astounding mystery. And it, it means not only that you are one in, say, 500 million, but we haven't even begun to do the math, as I say. This is what I'm sharing with, with people in this event. We, we haven't even begun to do the math because every human being is not only the fruit of his or her parents' union, but of their parents and 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 their parents, and their parents the whole way back to the beginning of time. And if it had been any other sperm in any one or any other egg in any one of those unions throughout your whole family tree, you would not exist. And let's keep this in mind. Every single one of us has in our lineage, in our family tree, unions that either brought us or one of our ancestors way back when, doesn't even matter when it was, no doubt every single one of us has fornication in our family tree, adultery in our family tree, uh, and, and even worse, Jesus himself has these horrors in his family tree. Check out Jesus's family tree in the Gospels, and, you know, so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so, and we can think, oh my gosh, Father, can't you just read the short form? Uh, <laughs> why, why do you have to read all those names um, in the lineage of Jesus? Well, each name is very significant. There's some very, very uh, rough stuff in Jesus's family tree. Adultery, uh, fornication, prostitution. What does this tell us? Jesus is not afraid of any of it. Nothing. Nothing is he afraid of. He enters into all of it, and it is all redeemed in his pierced heart. Here is the quote from Father Jacques Philippe that I share in our Made for More events. He says, whatever the circumstances of my conception and birth, my existence itself means that I was wanted, chosen, and loved by God. Now, I'm going to read it again. It goes on from there, and I'll continue it, but I want to reread it, Brittany, and I want to insert your name. I, I, I hope and I pray that this can, this can enter into your heart at a new depth in a new way. So whatever the circumstances of your conception and birth, Brittany, your existence, Brittany, your existence itself means that you were wanted. Brittany, you were chosen. Brittany, you are loved by God. How do we know this? If God didn't want you to exist, Brittany, guess what? You would not exist. Guess what? You exist. <laughs> What does that mean? It means God wanted you to exist. And here, again, how do we reconcile these truths? God wants you to exist, but God didn't want your parents to have premarital sex. Those two are true. They are true together. How do we hold them together? Only in the pierced heart of Jesus can those truths be held together. And they, they are uh, 
in that outpouring of blood and water, the very, we have a sacrament, a visual, an image, a concrete expression of the love of the eternal Father being poured out through a human body for each and every one of us. God wants everyone who exists to exist, to exist regardless of the circumstances that may have been behind their coming into existence. This is, this is God saying, I'm not afraid of the freedom I gave you. I'm not afraid of sin. I don't want you to sin, but I'm not afraid that having sinned, I can't work with it to bring about even the greatest good possible. Look at Good Friday itself, speaking of the pierced heart of Jesus. The audacity of the church to call that day good. What happened on that day? It was the sum total of all sin that was ever committed by the entire human race throughout all of human history concentrated on Jesus Christ, and he bore it in his very body. It was the concentration of all evil on one day in one place unleashed on one human heart, and the church has the audacity to call it good. Why? Because God has the power to bring the greatest good even out of the greatest evil, the crucifixion of the Son of God. What your parents did was not part of God's plan. It was wrong. Uh, the marital embrace is is only truly what it is meant to be when it is the expression and renewal of of the, the marriage covenant. But God shows his sovereignty. God shows his almighty power in the ability to bring about such a great good. What great good? Your existence, Brittany, even out of a circumstance that was not what God would have wanted. Let me just continue here with this quote from Father Jacques Philippe. Again, whatever the circumstances of your conception and birth, your existence, Brittany, is itself proof that you were wanted, chosen, and loved by God. He goes on to say, how urgently we need to regain contact with our origins in the creative act of God. And that's what I hear your heart doing, Brittany. You're seeking, what are those origins? I sometimes wonder, Father Jacques Philippe continues and concludes, I sometimes wonder if one reason for the frenzy about sex in today's world is this need to make contact with our origins. Wow. Wow. Brittany, I invite you to press in to your own origins in the embrace of your mother and your father. You are the proof of their having come together. And you said you grew up in a, in a home that was then split and how painful that was. You, you have been chosen by God in a particular way to carry in your tender heart this rupture, this split. And I would suggest to you, Brittany, maybe the Lord has asked you to carry this split in your heart. This is why it, all, it always wounds our hearts when our parents split. Why? Because their union is our origin. Mm. And when they split, our, our, very, our very origin seems fractured, and, and we carry that fracture with us and in us. But maybe, Brittany, the Lord has chosen you to carry that fracture in your heart to bring about in his plan its healing, 
it's mending. It's coming back together. And it, it may not happen in this life. There may be very clear circumstances that make it abundantly obvious that that's not going to happen in this life. But what do we have to hope for? We hope for the communion of saints. And you, Brittany, can offer that rupture in your heart, that very tender wound, that very sensitive, forgive the silly expression, but that ouchy place <laughs> in your heart, that very tender wound opened up to Jesus's tender wound, that, that lance that went into his side, his pierced heart, your pierced heart united Brittany with Christ's pierced heart, can and will, this is his promise, bring about a true reconciliation that may not happen in this world, but is promised in the next. It's called the communion of saints, and you can hope with a real firm hope in rejoicing in the full reconciliation of your mother and father in the communion of saints, and you're offering that wound with Jesus's wound will be efficacious. That means truly effective in working towards that reconciliation. Wendy, what are your thoughts? What's on your heart? Hmm. I think about what Brittany said about kind of discovering JP2 and, and Jean Paul II showing up for her. She said big time showing up. So I think there's something just powerful about his intercession um for you Brittany I mean he's he's in heaven now he can he can hear your heart as well and I, I think about what he described in theology of the body is you know it's so inspiring to read about the original unity that God had um created for man and woman and yet the next you know part of theology of the body is about historical man and the the fall and the separation and the wounds of sin we're not just alone in that that's christ comes into history comes into the lives of broken people and uh and that's what you're talking about that heart of christ that meeting place where all the woundedness of our experience of life is touching christ and he's bringing it into the heart of God. He is the heart of God. Um, and so I think it's just a very powerful reflection that nobody is growing up, nobody's experience is separated from the fall and woundedness, but there are different ways that we experience it, different stories of that fallenness and impacting our lives. That's a very important point, Wendy, if I can just jump in to, to, to affirm that, that that you know, my parents remained married, your parents remained married, Wendy, mm -hmm. but your parents and my parents are fallen, mm -hmm. clearly, and so there's a rupture there too. No one is immune, and we, we can kind of imagine there's this perfect family out there that, that doesn't have to deal with, with fallen humanity. That's just a lie. That is, a, that is not true. We, we have all inherited this mm -hmm. rupture to one degree or another, it's it's obviously a, a, a more obvious rupture when there's been a divorce and a, a split of of the mom and the dad. But that does not mean 
just because a mom and a dad stayed together that they didn't have to deal and wrestle with fallen humanity. You and I know this very, very well mm -hmm. from our own marriage. Right. And your fallen humanity and my fallen humanity has caused both of us and our children a lot of pain. But this is the humanity that Jesus loves. This is the humanity he entered into. And that's what that whole, as I was saying earlier, the genealogy of Jesus is there to help us understand. He's not afraid of entering right into this. Yeah, I think that sense of um, knowing that this is where you're called to be. You're called to be in this family of God. You're called to experience almost like a, a deeper sense of your family of origin as you were describing, you know, the origin in time, you you also have to acknowledge or we're called to acknowledge God who's outside of time is mm. our true origin. And there's a there's like a family deeper in us yeah. beyond our family. Amen. <laughs> that is where you now find yourself, Brittany, as you've come into the church, you've come into that powerful place of connection with that family, which is the Trinity, which is Woo. heavenly origin. So I really pray that in your journey, as you process through, we do at different times in our journey, ways that um, we see in our current life that the wounds of our past are expressing themselves mm. right now. And so we need to sometimes take wounds from the past into our prayer and into spiritual direction and into confession and into sometimes counseling all of those things you know come up naturally in the course of life and the holy spirit is in all that but i really pray that that's a process for you of recognizing the beautiful origin that you share with everyone in the church in the heart of god that is none of us is different we're all from the heart of God, and it's a beautiful family. And we can say with the, the liturgy of the church, oh, happy fault that won for us so great a Redeemer, right? We can say, oh, happy fault of your mother and father that brought you into being. Mm -hmm. And and every single one of us, as I was saying, we have these, these illicit unions in our family tree. Uh, without them, none of us would exist. And so we can say this is not in any way a contradiction. It's right there in the in the liturgy. It's not a contradiction of the truth to say, thank you, Lord, <laughs> for these happy faults of our ancestors, maybe our, our own direct mother and father, or maybe our grandparents or great-grandparents, or go back 100 generations, 200 generations. We all have this stuff in our family tree, and we can honestly and boldly say, Oh, happy fault of my ancestors through whatever it was, fornication, adultery, prostitution, acts of rape are, are in our family trees. Uh, the Lord uses even something that dark to bring about great good, the great good of human existence. It's a declaration that, that God's love is more powerful than our sin. That's what this is a declaration of. Thank you, God. Oh, happy fault in all of our family trees where there has been illicit sexual union that you demonstrate your love is more powerful than sin in bringing life into being. And we lift up any pregnant woman right now who has conceived out of wedlock, conceived uh, in a union that was 
not God's intention, but God has intended for that child to be conceived in your womb, or that child would not be there. We lift up every mother, every unwed mother right now, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon those women and inspire them to carry their children, to either raise their children or to lovingly give their children up for adoption, whatever your plan might be for that child. But we ask that those lives would be honored, loved, and protected. And we ask it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brittany, thank you so much. We love you. We love you. And JP2, thank you. Thank you for loving Brittany and for acting in such a big way in her life. Mm. Our next question is from an anonymous listener. He says, um, first of all, I want to thank you for the work you do. I had the privilege of participating in the online TOB course this year. It was a blessing how it touched my heart and helped me heal wounds. I know you've talked about this topic before, but I feel like I need to hear it directly from my needs and wounds. In July, I discovered that my husband was addicted to pornography. We tried to overcome it together, but the truth was that my pain did not allow me to respect his process to mm. be a safe person for him, mm. while he could not be a safe person for me and be present in my process of healing. In addictions, there's a lot of manipulation, lies, and abuse that had me experiencing PTSD. Mercy. We have been married for three and a half years. We have a two-year-old daughter, and I'm 33 weeks pregnant. Bless you, bless you, bless you. We did what the therapists recommended. We separated in October. My intention was that we would work individually on our problems with a view to maintaining the marriage and rebuilding it. Two weeks ago, he disclosed that he's having a kind of relationship with a person with whom he shares photos with sexual content. Mercy. He does not seem to know what he wants with respect to our relationship. Mercy. He didn't ask to be forgiven, nor did he show empathy about my pain. Mercy. I want to respect my vows, but with this new story, I don't know if I should really stop hoping and just seek an annulment. Mercy. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I, I, I just hear the, the, the cry of agony of Jesus. Mm. Uh, we read in the, in the book of Hebrews that through loud wails and cries, Jesus learned to embrace the will of the Father through loud wails mm. and cries. And I hear, dear listener, I, I hear the loud wails and the loud cries of your betrayed heart. Your heart has been betrayed. You, you pledged yourself to this man with, with an open heart and with a desire to to be a bride and to have him be your bridegroom and he has betrayed that covenant and it is it is a lance right in your side uh, i think of of mary at the foot of the cross and the fulfillment of simeon's prophecy a sword will pierce your heart also it's very evident that you are your heart is bleeding that lance has been thrust and your heart is bleeding. Jesus, Jesus, bleed with our dear sister. You already are bleeding with our dear sister, but may our dear sister know that you are bleeding with her and that your bleeding heart and her bleeding heart 
is where a true marriage bond, and that's the right word for it, a true marriage bond is sealed and consummated. This is the mystery of the cross. The cross is a marriage bed uh, where Christ offers his body, his bleeding body, for his bride, where he's willing even to enter into the cry of abandonment that we feel. Your husband has abandoned you, and Jesus on the cross enters that cry of abandonment. My God, my God, why? Why have you abandoned me? It would not be possible for us here on this podcast to try to, to venture answers to a questions as to whether you should pursue an annulment or um, whether there is uh, real hope of your marriage being reconciled. I mean, we can say there's hope, there's nothing impossible for God, but it does seem from what you have shared that your husband is not pursuing that reconciliation, that he is making decisions that is that are solidifying his direction in a very, very dark place, in a very, very dark direction. Um, your pain, this, this is certain, your pain opened up to Jesus, with Jesus, to the Father, is efficacious in bringing about healing for your husband. In this life, we don't know. We don't know. But the Lord promises us when we offer our pain in union with his pain to the Father, that the Holy Spirit comes forth to work his mighty, mighty work of redemption. And I'm reminded of a quote from the Catechism here. I know I've shared it many times on this podcast, but it bears repeating. This is in the Catechism section on the Our Father forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's Catechism 2843, and it says, it's not in our power not to feel or to forget when someone else has offended us and, and your husband has deeply wounded and offended you. But the heart that offers this pain to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit transforms that pain into compassion, and turns the hurt into intercession. This is the way of redemption. And whether or not you pursue an annulment, uh, that pain is still uh, efficacious, opened up to the Holy Spirit for the healing of your husband. Your husband himself is in deep pain. And the deep pain that he is in, he has dumped on you. You know something of the depth of his pain because you feel it, because he dumped it on you. And that's what enables the pain itself to become compassion. The pain that you know in this great rupture in your marriage is the pain that your husband already knows in his own heart. And he's trying to medicate that pain by going to pornography and by going to this sexting relationship. He's medicating, he's trying to medicate his pain. Uh, it's like pouring salt on the wound, however. Uh, it's, it doesn't really medicate it, or, or maybe a better analogy, it's like drinking salt water. There's some semblance 
of quenching your thirst with salt water. That's why we go to these things. There's some semblance of satisfaction, but porn is like drinking salt water. It, 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 it makes you more thirsty, and you drink more, and then it kills you. Uh, your, your husband is in a very dark place, but it is not out of the reach of Christ and his redemption and your willingness to offer that pain for him in union with Jesus will have its way here or in the next life, God willing. Wendy, what, what are your thoughts for our, our dear suffering listener? I feel a lot of compassion just as you expressed Christopher, for this listener and um, admiration for going through counseling with your husband after what you discovered in July. Um, it's been a very rough time, and it's all been during this pregnancy. And I think what a vulnerable time as a woman um, to be facing such difficult things. I, I really feel all of that. And I I, I hope it, it seems like there's a, a wisdom coming from the counselors, the tiny bit that you shared just seems like they, uh, whoever you've seen has kind of shed good light on the dynamics of your situation. Um, my heart is panged by the words post-traumatic stress. Like that's just really, oh, I feel that, um, how, how much pain there is inside that can just get you know, tapped by small things and be overwhelming. Um, I feel like it's important to affirm that we have a right to have some boundaries about how much wounding we're meant to bear in a relationship. What has already happened can't be erased. And so all of that, as you were talking about lifting it up as an intercession, where the healing of the one that's wounded you is absolutely, I've been there, I've done that, I know that in my bones that that is true. But I also know that there we need to just continually seek counsel about how, um, how to live as a healthy daughter of God um, and not subject ourselves to something that is um, beyond beyond a cross that the Lord would even be asking us to bear. And, and we don't know the answers to that, but I do want to affirm that um, it is good to be seeking wise counsel as you process through these hard things, very hard things in your family situation. Um, and that uh, I wish that it were easy to answer these questions. Oh, I, I really do. Um, it's very difficult, but we do offer what we can to just give some perspectives on what what is going on here when you referenced like the darkness that um, the husband in this situation has been pursuing like it's good to be reminded there is there are spiritual forces yes. at work in this world invisible spiritual forces and the forces that have that the husband has been, cooperating with our forces of darkness and evil and destruction. And we are not called to submit ourselves no. to such forces. So it's not just on a human level that we talk about boundaries. It's on the spiritual level Amen. that we need to have boundaries for our hearts and for our lives and for our children. So all of that is important to take into consideration. And I, 
um, I really do join you in lifting up this couple and especially this wife and mother of young children and the struggle that it is to continue to be um, led by the Holy Spirit when everything seems to be so chaotic around. I really do pray that that light of the the love of Jesus for your heart, that love of a bridegroom. When you when you started your answer, you were talking about this um, bond on the cross, this wedding. It's the heart of Jesus that's wedding himself to you, our listener. That love of that true bridegroom um, is the light in the darkness, in the, the darkness of the situation. So I really pray that his light can continue to shine in your heart. And, um, and we'll be praying that you can follow him where he's calling you and trust him that he can bring good out of all this difficult situation. Could I ask all of our listeners out there, this is such a dark, painful situation that's come to our attention here with this listener. Could I ask all of our listeners out there to, to would you be willing to offer some sacrifice today for for this couple, for this woman in particular, for the baby in her womb, and that this man would be liberated from this darkness that he has immersed himself in. Just choose one sacrifice. Maybe don't put salt on your chicken at dinner tonight. Maybe just offer a prayer or a decade of the rosary or or something, some offering, uh, so that we can show our, our solidarity with this, this dear person who's suffering so greatly. Mm. Our next question is from an anonymous listener who asks, Christopher, I know you are a reader. I'm a reader too. And I'm wondering what you're reading right now. Is there anything you recommend? Mm -hmm. Happy to answer that question. I'm always reading something. I am reading one, two, three, four, five books right now. Five books. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm reading a, a collection uh, from Ignatius Press, a, a collection of Ratzinger's writings on the liturgy. Uh, that's really thrilling. Uh, Ratzinger meaning meaning uh, who became Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Right. They're they Ignatius is collecting all of his writings, and they have a, a whole volume just on what he's written on the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had already read much of what's in that volume, but there's some some articles and. Um, talks that he's given that have been put put into writing for the first time. So I've been really enjoying that. That's on my bedside table. I'm slowly making my way through that big volume. I'm also slowly making my way through a big volume by Mikhail Waldstein, a dear friend of mine, brilliant theologian. He was my director for my own doctoral work, um, and he has written a book called The Glory of the Logos in the Flesh. Mm. And it's really about the the philosophical and theological history and foundations of John Paul II's work that are behind the theology of the body. It's it's a difficult read. Um, I am a TOB JP2 geek for sure, and and I'm finding it uh, not easy reading. But if you're really if you're really into the scholarly side of things, that's a great read. On the lighter side. I'm reading a book by uh, Father Thomas Dubay called The Evidential Power of Beauty, and the subtitle is Science and Theology Meet. And so far, I'm just about halfway through it. It's a, it's a look at 
the wonders of creation uh, and how science is revealing the glories of the, th the theology behind it all. It's fascinating. Like, I just read the other day, there's something like, I, I, I want to see, I have it right here. Let's see if I can look it up. There are trillions, and I, I can't remember how many trillions. Here it is. Uh, 100 trillion cells in our bodies, approximately 100 trillion, each and every one of them with the complexity of New York City in terms of its processes and mm. functions and and what it carries out and what it produces and its waste management system, so to speak. And he goes through how, how like New York City or London would be and the complexity of a city and how it all works is a window into the complexity of each of the 100 trillion cells in your body. Hello. Mm. Uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's just one little window. He goes into all kinds of stuff in God's creation that just blows your brain. Uh, so if you want to have your brain blown <laughs> with new wonder at, at the glories of God's creation, check out that book. I'm also reading rereading a book called The Way of Imperfection by a a French priest. It's been translated in English. I don't read French. Um, and, you know, we're used to hearing about the way of perfection, but this is the way of imperfection. And guess what? Both are the same thing, because it's one of those gospel paradoxes, like to be rich, you got to be poor, to, to live, you got to die. Um, when we're weak, then we're strong. The way of I, I'd really recommend this book to anybody out there. It's it's um, it will change your paradigm uh, uh, of holiness. Holiness does not mean you're striving and growing in virtue day to day, like some Superman. Uh, that is actually really the cause, oftentimes in our lives, for 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 spiritual pride, which is the opposite of holiness. Uh, the way up. If, if holiness is up, Jesus teaches us that the way up is down. Uh, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he's really, he's really unfolding what Therese, the little flower, said about, uh, I, I'm just content with discovering every day in my life new imperfections, because that enables me to open up to new mercies. That's the way of holiness. Holiness you know, saints are not perfect people. They are people who know they are perfectly loved in all their imperfections. And that's what this way of imperfection is all about. So, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that to, to anybody out there. Mm. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for whoever asked that question. I appreciate it. If you heard something today that blessed you on this podcast, click that share button. Help us grow our listenership we want to share this good news with as many people as possible, and you can help us do that. Uh, and if you have a question that you want to submit, please go to the website, AskChristopherWest.com. You can submit your question there. If you are a patron, don't forget that you can go to your patron website and submit your question there, and you'll have a much better chance of having your question answered uh, on the patron website. So. If you're not a patron, you can check out the link below to learn more about doing that. Until next time, may you know it inside, upside down, backwards, forwards, in your bones, in the tips of your fingers, in your hair, in your kneecaps, in every other part of your body and mind and heart. 
<laughs> that you are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Thank you.